Hi, and welcome to the Saxophone Academy podcast. I'm Dr. Wally Wallace, and on this week's episode, I chat with my co-host, Dr. Susan Fancher, about slap tongue, how to do it, and how to make yours better. We chat about vintage saxophone equipment, and we also check out the bell ring from Peak Performance Woodwinds. And in the mailbag section, we answer some of your questions. And a point of clarification, on the second question about graduate school, I incorrectly attributed the question to Curtis, when in fact, it was actually Steven from up north that asked that question. And in other news, we now have Saxophone Academy merchandise. So if you'd like to show your support for the podcast and look good while you're doing it, we have t-shirts, apparel, and a new cool coffee mug, all branded with the Saxophone Academy logo. So please do check the show notes if you'd like to show your support. We'd certainly appreciate it. Hope you enjoy the episode. That's all we can do is our best and Just give it our best shot. Up. That's what we'll I do. Make stuff I fake up. it. I've, it's got. It's fake worked it. this long <laughs> till you make it. Even I, if you don't make it, <laughs> it fakes my way into a marriage, into parenting, and uh, knock on wood, oh, this far. It, parenting and marriage. That's all faking it, man. <laughs> Any day now, I expect people to come along and say, "We found. We've we've caught on, sir. You need to stop." <laughs> It's gonna. Day. It's called your children. Yeah. Oh, they don't know yet. Sue. Hey, Wally. You've been how's gone it going? For a while. How's your summer yeah, going? It's good. It's hard to believe that it's drawing to a close. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels like it's over because you know, beginning of August hits and whoo, that email inbox explodes. Yeah. You can tell everybody is back to work, and you're like, yeah. no, not yet. I know. I, I actually don't. Um, I start getting questions, and I just teach a class for fun at yeah. the local university. Well, fun. It's not fun for the students. It's fun for me. <laughs> I'll and, bet it's fun for the students yeah, and too. And if they start Wally, emailing I've heard before good the, things about that class. Well, I love it. And, <laughs> good. But until my contract rolls in, yeah. I don't answer questions. So someone you get a little, contract? Yeah, yearly. Oh, yeah. I'm one nice. of the uh, un, the very sullied, not the uns, whatever the opposite. <laughs> means, where the guy yeah, actually, I, would, I did just get mine last yeah, week yeah, too. Yeah. So yeah, so <laughs> I don't do a thing till that contract comes in. Oh man, in, like, I was already emailing like a gazillion people oh. before any contract showed up. Uh, yes. The supply okay. and demand of our drug market is yeah, necessary, it's though. Pretty yeah, pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you don't want to work for free? Well, we got others uh, that do. Yeah, right. So exactly. you've been traveling. Yeah, I did a little traveling. So we went a big, long car trip. I think we put 3,600 3, miles on a car. Wow. Now, the smart thing for a change is that we didn't take our own car. We actually rented a car. That's very smart. So all those miles and all those washboard roads that we have around this country, holy mm-hmm. moly, uh, those did not wreck my personal car. They wrecked yeah. a rental car. And this is another reason why, <laughs> good advice on this show, Wally, you don't buy a former rental car. Yes. <laughs> Although I hear you can get good deals on that. Yeah, so I forgot you said it. That. But in the history sorry. of the world, no one has ever washed a rental car <laughs> themselves. You well, know? no. I'm hoping, I'm pretty sure the rental car company Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. But I'm saying like people don't take care of it. Like, you Well, no. It probably gets better car washes than my own car, though. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we drove, you know, up to see family in western New York and all the way out to Minnesota, did some campus tours with... My daughter uh, no. along the way. No, I know. Not, it cannot I know, be I know, time I know, for that. No, no, we're way early. Okay. Super, super early. <laughs> Five to ten years. Anyway, it was really fun. And we have a, a dog who's a great traveler, too. So, yeah, we had a blast. Good. Got and to I, catch that, up with family. And everybody's I will, well. 
I, oh, good. Yeah. I will not guilt you. Say, so what you practicing now, Sue? Because <laughs> Actually, I'm back to practicing. Yeah. Yeah. So last night I had a gig with this band in Greensboro called The Difficulties. The Difficulties. And it's a, a poetry-based band. So the poetry of Brian Lampkin is really the feature of the band. And, and then Brian owns a Scuppernong Books. Very cool in, indie bookstore yes, downtown. It is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so Mark Engelbretson uh, made most of the music. For the band, and at some point, their bass player slash vocalist moved to Maine yeah, to she go went to, to grad, grad school. school. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so they said, "Hey, Sue, you want to join the band?" And I'm like, "Sure, why not?" So I had to sing a couple tunes, nice. which you know, I mean, I sing in a choir, but I'm not really a soloist, so I always feel a little bit like out of my element and like. The emperor is not wearing any clothes oh, <laughs> when I'm singing, this. but they got like major effects on my voice and everything, yeah. so it's all right. Yeah, so you had a good then, time, yeah. And you then I play the I play the soprano sax, do some nice. like improv around some kind of modal or bluesy sort of thing. So yeah, it's cool. That is cool. That was cool. So I I actually did practice doing some of that stuff the last couple of days, and then Sunday I'm playing uh, a Vivaldi. Concerto together with Brent, Brent Davis, yeah. who's a local alto saxophone, well, all saxophone yeah. player, and John Alexander, the organist at First Presbyterian. And I just found out that uh, Kelly Burke, who's a local, well, clarinetist, but also provost or vice provost, what is her title now at UNCG? I can't remember. I don't know. I always but mix it up with Star Wars titles, she's like a, vice chancellor, yeah, she's, Sith Lord, <laughs> I don't know. She's Lord of all, yeah. <laughs> UNCG, you know, administrator now, but she's also a really fine arranger. So this might be interesting for people out there. She's just finishing an arrangement of Catch Me If You Can mm. for alto saxophone with wind quintet. Okay, and so she's arranging the, uh, the Escapades concerto. Escapades, yes, yeah, yeah. exactly, the Escapades. So I'm, I need to get to work on that. So I dug the music out yesterday, and mm-hmm. my afternoon to-do list includes practicing that. I'm going to go through that first step of just learning the notes, writing right. in the right fingerings, and try to take my own advice. I think she borrowed my <laughs> score. A Could million be. years ago for that, because I own the I own the orchestral concerto. Uh, so I own the full score. So she borrowed my piano score, but okay. she probably still has that. I think that. it was her. Well, she should be done with it now, Wally. No, never mind. It's Greensboro Youth Symphony. <laughs> oh, that was someone and they else. still have it too? No, no, he gave it back. Oh, good. Yeah, no, no, the court the court order <laughs> took care of that. No. Anyway, so that piece is, is uh, almost finished, and we'll perform it on a recital... Uh, with the women's wind ensemble. WWE. Yeah, WWE. <laughs> I know, no comment. Stop yeah, it. I can quiet. see you should see his face. It's great. <laughs> but that's gonna be, I don't know, I think it's sometime in October, so I better get to work. Anyway, we got a whole program we're gonna do. That the thir- rest of the music we've done before. Okay. That third movement of Escapades, yeah. John Williams says, that's no joke. Okay, That's, thanks, Wally. No, it's got I a, gotta go now. It's Bye, got I gotta go practice. Of notes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's fine. <laughs> I, had to, I had to learn like what some of my side keys did. What? Do you have yeah, to I use know. side keys? I well, that's what I yeah, I had to. Oh, jeez, Wally. Well, yeah. I'll come for a lesson later on if I can't figure it out. Well, not with me, because I've already <laughs> forgotten. I don't use Anyway, those, so there's some fun stuff. I'm excited to get back to practicing because yeah. I really I played once in a while over the summer, but I did not practice very much, I will confess. So I'm back at it. It's going to be painful for a few days, but then it'll be fine again. Okay. But I got lots of fun stuff coming up. Yeah, you got to take a break. I need a break, and I'm old, so I can't just... When I was young, I practiced all summer, and if I didn't, you could tell in the fall, because everybody else at college had practiced over the summer. Uh, So if you didn't, you were behind. Yeah. Yeah. That was really annoying to me. I was working in warehouses during the summer, because I didn't... uh, I always had a job. My trust fund was um, (laughs) with some other kid. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I worked warehouses 40 hours a week. So I came back to college and had to rebuild my embouchure and my yeah, kids were like, I was, at, yeah. I was at a festival this summer. Like, Blah, yeah, yeah, I never did any you, of those. Jared. Yeah. Well, that's good for you if you can, but yeah. I don't know. There's something to be said for having a job and taking a break from, from the saxophone and learning how to do something else too. It, it was great. I'm it from, made me realize I do not like working. <laughs> so. Well, that's an interesting point. I think the one year I spent working an office job at an insurance company was the best education I got or the best motivator I got to get an yeah. education. To I'm do not sure we're inspiring them saxophonists uh, to, to work hard. <laughs> <laughs> Stay at school, kids. One day you too yeah, can. Right. Oh. <laughs> Uh, it's I took, a blessing. I took an exciting pilgrimage. What'd you do, Wally? So on um, on the internets, because cool. that, that's still around, there's yeah. um, an online company called getasax.com. Get not sponsoring, so frankly, I don't care if you buy from them or not. Right. But I will say, I had a really great experience. So I um, I kept seeing these amazing pictures, whereas this um, very nice gentleman named Brian. Okay. Um, I don't think his last name is Getasax, though that would be very convenient. Yeah. And he trades, buys, and sells vintage and new and used saxophones. And what, you know, there's a lot of places that do so that. So new ones too. New ones, he does, I think he is actually a Yamaha dealer as well. Okay. Um, but I kept having friends say, hey, you know, I just got this great new horn from Gittisax. I was like, all right, good for you. I never yeah. seen the store that I got it from. I don't, thanks so much to Woodwind and Brass. I don't care. You know, right. you know they, they can do their own marketing. Right. Um, but my and friends kept, kept thanking them on social media and I kept seeing, so I started following them and I started seeing pictures of some of the coolest vintage horns I've ever oh. seen. Uh, there was one recently, I believe it was an old con with um, the engraving was this impeccable flapper girl. Oh, yeah. Engraving. And yeah. I saw the, the cool old necks that have like the snake on the octave oh, yeah. arm. I forgot the, the the model that was. And then some of these cool old saxophones. Well, yeah. uh, just by chance, I found out that it's in driving distance from where we are. Get out and of here. And so I was just in touch. And because I was doing, oh, I was doing a video of the best saxophone, best cheap jazz saxophone mouthpiece. I was doing a video. Yeah. And so I want to talk a little bit about the history of Brillhart. And so I found the best pictures online of vintage Brillharts were on his website. So I reached out and said, hey, mm. can I use your images? Because a lot of people don't ask. They just... You're good you, to ask. You Google, should always yeah, ask. Yeah, well, a lot yeah. of people go to Google search, take the image, crop yeah. it, crop out the watermark, and just use it. And in a YouTube video, it's hard to get caught because yeah. you know, for a lot of reasons. But I reached out and said, hey, and he was like, absolutely, you know, um, yeah. feel free to use the images any way I can help. And that was great. So, and just chatting back and forth, realized they were in driving distance. So I drove to getasax.com wow. to check out, um, and I told him specifically, I've always been searching for my grail mouthpiece, a vintage Brillhart Tonalent. Those are those white ones. Yeah. And so I drove out. And um, he already had like 12 of them laid out. Of oh, nice Tonalin, guy. Yeah. Alto mouthpieces. Holy cow. And he had this cabinet. Uh, that was just of the Tonalins. Oh my gosh. Were there like uh, maybe diff- exaggerating- are they different openings or are yes. they all the same? And this was what's oh, interesting. Okay. So I always thought I'm never going to buy uh, a Brillhart, a, a vintage Tonalin or Ebelin. Ebelins are just the black plastic ones. Right. Yeah. Um, unless it's the facing on, which is five star. And so he had a whole, and he, he didn't have any five stars. And I was like, oh, I should have asked beforehand. Mm, yeah. And he said, no, no, Wally, check this out. And so he started pulling up. He had a little uh, tip measuring opening. Right. Measure. Words fail, escape me now, help. Um, a, little, a little machine that measures yeah, tip opening. Tip opening and measuring so he, so he pulled out a five, not a five star, <laughs> and it was at whatever thousands of an inch. He pulled out a three star. It was about the same. And he pulled out a four. It was slightly larger than the five. He pulled out That's another awesome. three, and it was the same as the five. And so he said, you know, back in the day, these... these oh, God, that's hilarious. They kind of <laughs> guesstimate, and this tunnel in Evelyn, which is essentially plastic, yeah. which was one of the downsides, is it cracks very easily. 
which is why a lot of the old ones you'll see a band around the shank. They'll put a little metal band to help keeping for cracking. And so I said, you just find one that likes the way it plays, and it may be. And so um, my dream mouthpiece, I just I bought my Grail, is a vintage uh, 1966 or 67. It's hard to tell exactly uh, what they call Carlsbad. Brillhart, and because uh, Brillhart was bought by Semler and then started to be produced in Carlsbad, California. Wow. Um, and I just fell in love. I played it. I could even see him perk up. He was, you know, working in a shop and he looked around. I was like, oh, that one sounds good. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, Flattery will get you everywhere, <laughs> Mr. Get a Sax. Yes, so I bought right. it on the spot. <laughs> what was also really interesting is, and so I've had a bunch of friends buy saxophones from there. And a bunch of my friends trade and sell. Yeah. And I said, so what's the deal? Are you just like a, an eBay guru? Do you just like, are you the guy that outbids us all? Or how do you like, oh, no, no, I don't mess with eBay. I've just become known as the guy that if you want to trade or sell your saxophone, I give you a really fair price. So people come to me. Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, that makes sense. That's so much easier. It is. And dealing so, with eBay. And looking at his prices, I won't say exactly what I paid. Um, yeah. It was in the ballpark of $300, which is completely fair. He didn't give me any kind of bargain, yeah. but it was very fair. And he sells stuff for very fair prices. So I yeah. think he moves a lot of inventory. He gets, and he buys too, you said. He, he, That's he, where, he does. I mean, yeah. So, he'll so trade if you in. have one you have to, you, you want to get rid of, maybe you can get a yeah. decent price. Then. And honestly, I feel good enough. And I, I just I had it with a guy for the better part of a morning. Yeah. And, um, and he's just a really great guy. Um, or at least I think he could have been fooling me. I don't know. Yeah. So. But he seemed like a great guy. And I, if the next time I'm going to buy a horn, I'm probably going to go, because then I don't have to sell mine on eBay or trade right, yeah. to someone I know. Um, right. and I, my friends have been getting really good trading advice. Once again, this is not a paid ad. Right, but right, what right. was interesting is, so then I got to see his selection of saxophones, his vintage saxophones. Yeah. And he has, I, I have to believe it's in the hundreds. Wow. Um, everything from Bushers, Old Cons, Kings, Selmers, tons of Mark Sixes. And wow. I guess because I'm, I, I, I am seem nice enough. He um, started pulling out some of his private reserve for me to try. So while wow. I was there, I was like a kid in a candy store. He pulled out his um, personal Mark Six Alto, which he feels is the best, uh, you know, wow. vintage of that. It was great. Yeah. Uh, and then I got to try this amazing, beautiful old con that I cannot remember the number. Someone's going to be shouting at their speakers yeah, right, right now. <laughs> oh, you moron! Uh, it was just beautiful. And but the the coup de gras was his personal instrument. I didn't know that. He let me try his uh, King. Super 20 Alto, no. which had the pearl key touches, oh the, 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 like the star engraving on the key cups. Uh, it was just, and I played it and I just kind of fell in love and I said, all right, I'm going to ask how much is this? And I was thinking yeah. like, you know, I might have to explain this to my wife why there's, you know, $7,000 in our credit card. And he said, he's like, oh no, this is my personal horn. It's not. It's not I was like, so why don't you let me try it? It's, <laughs> na, 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 na. I know, it was really nice guy. So thanks awesome. to Brian for, it was it was yeah. a, like a fun morning. So does he have like, like Salmers, like series two and yes. series three? So well, all if they those come two in, it's, if someone trades wow, in their series three, cause they want yeah. a new Yamaha. Uh, he had several new Yamahas yeah. in, and he works with a couple of uh, overhaul all our overhaulers yeah. repair people. Yeah. So he gets them in, he has his repair guy and he's got an intern who's actually a jazz major at UNCG or an uh, employee yeah. that drives it over to the repair shop, brings it back, takes the pictures, gets the pictures Jeez. online. And he's so, he has so many saxophones he's actually behind on. So even if yeah. you don't see one on his website, uh, you can just call and say, hey, I'm looking for this. And he can right. probably... Help it out. So that was a really fun. Oh, that's just fun. great to have somebody who really facilitates that yeah. resale market because it's tough when people mm-hmm. have to deal with just some other somebody and they don't know what they have. I know. It's just that's so great. And that well, and, that's and it the, sounds like he's not gouging with the markup. No. He has to take some because he has to make money. Otherwise, yeah, he yeah, can't yeah. do this. But yeah, but I think he that, moves in a volume. The markup doesn't have to be that high. Yeah, if you sell one awesome. sax one every month, then of course you're gonna yeah right. You have, but I think yeah. he moves enough inventory. 
Um, How cool. And it, it's drivable. Hmm. And I've always... I have to do an outing. Yeah. I, well, and I, I can... Like I said, I haven't like you know scoured his criminal history. <laughs> he doesn't have one. I'm sure, super nice guy. Uh, but what I like is I love the idea of vintage horns and vintage equipment. I'm yeah. really I don't have the stomach to buy it online. Right, sight unseen. Yeah, you. This try is it. a guy that will not ship it out without telling you exactly the condition it is, or if you want it overhauled, the overhaul yeah. use Matt Storer, um, who's oh, a yeah. very well He's esteemed. Excellent. So he uses him He's or people yeah. of similar quality. Oh yeah. So um, I I think my bank account might be in serious trouble. Uh oh. Because I realize. I'm going to talk to your wife and get her to put everything in her own name only. (laughs) Please don't, because there's so much cool stuff I want to buy. So I bought my grill mouthpiece. um, Which is funny. So I did did a video on um, best mouthpiece under $50. Um, for oh, jazz. Yeah. And it's the Brill, in my opinion, it's the Brillhart Evelyn. These cheap plastic ones. And oh, you can find a good yeah. one. They're great. You can find them for about $45, $47 on Get old music out. store shelves. Okay. Well, the minute I, I, so I did that video and about a week later I started getting an email saying, hey, I can't find the five star. Uh, and I think what little supply there might have been, I might have created just <laughs> enough demand. Oopsies. And then I had an ethical <laughs> quandary. Uh, because then I said, oh no, I guess, I, yeah. And I looked on eBay and I looked at some of the usual subjects and I was like, it does look like they're all out of the five star. Yeah. And then I looked at my shelf and I have four of them. Oh, whoops. And I thought, <laughs> well, I could. <laughs> hmm. So I'm hanging on to them because I can't, in good faith, sell them on eBay and, and like right, yeah. create the demand and then make a profit yeah, on them. That's that, unethical. Yeah, right. <laughs> or is it? Yeah, it I is. Don't okay, I don't know. This is America, Wally. Yeah. So got my grill mouthpiece. Next. I know. I have just enough scruples. <laughs> a next new thing. I got an awesome shipment in. Yeah, look at these things. Um, from Peak Performance. These look like something you Woodwinds. could play with. Like you could get some pegs over there and just toss like these across. To- it, they look like a ring toss thing. These would be hard. Okay, though. so I'm these sorry, are. But they're probably expensive. So I got a shipment in. Huge thanks to Will Peak from Peak Performance Woodwinds. Yay. Now, a great name because his name is Will Peak. But it's peak performance woodwinds. Isn't that awesome? It's great. His last name isn't poor or frumpy or <laughs> terrible. Yeah, well, or, or squeak. Or you know, <laughs> so his name is Peak. So it's peak performance woodwinds, and he makes bell rings. Golly! Now we would have used to call these mutes, and we talked about that on episode yeah. three or four on yeah. saxophone low tones episode. Um, the mute, and so what is the purpose of a mute? The purpose of a mute is to give people something to mock you about. <laughs> oh, Sue, we disagree about this. I'm just joking. Heartily. You're going to get better intonation and better response on those stupid low notes that yeah, are out of tune. Yeah. Sue has been quoted as saying, the only thing I hate more than a, than a bell mute is the stupid people that use them. She didn't say that. I didn't really she say that. She probably thought it. I but. probably thought it, but, you know, I'm sorry. Right. My, my <laughs> philosophy is... Actually, these look really cool. And if, yeah. if it makes your low notes more in tune and, and able to come out better, then it's probably a really good idea. And I should get a whole supply yeah. of them for every horn. <laughs> well, and he does make uh, soprano ones now. I did test it on my soprano. They do stay put. Ah, that's what I was going to so ask. Do, How is so, it? Really? So what these are, these are little rings that go in the bell that lower the pitch of the lowest notes in the saxophone. Because the lowest notes in the saxophone are very sharp. Well, and that Bresnik piece, that quartet, that last movement, the third movement, and there are all these low notes in the soprano that are supposed to be played piano, and they're always too sharp and too loud. Mm-hmm. I should have had one of these. They See? really do work. So it's, I'm yeah. eating my words, Wally. Uh, <laughs> we'll edit your words out for the previous episode. Please. And your thoughts. So <laughs> the, you, these are just little that. rings that you put in the belt, and they lower the lowest notes of the saxophone about 10 to 15 cents if you use the... Yeah, you're still going to have to you know pull them down, but at least you won't have to like hurt yourself. Right. Yeah. Well, I still do hurt myself a lot, but that's just a lack of coordination. <laughs> so... um. 
these come in a huge variety of colors. Um, wow. We're looking at them now, and you can't yeah. see them because this is an audio podcast. Yeah. We got blue. We got stripey. Oh, my god. We got red. Purple. We got, um, what would you call that, a mauve? Oh. I used to think it was pronounced mm. mauve. Then I had some students. I always say mauve. I said mauve like, in a class. Wouldn't a, mauve be the French pronunciation? I don't know. The students shamed me. Um, I don't think you should let students shame you. Well, well but I they, think you should say mauve now just well, to Well, it was a class them. of 35 students, and they said it's, it's, it's mauve. And I was like, excuse me, I watch enough HTV, HGTV. I know it's, it's mauve. And they said, no, it's mauve. And they knew that from the Rugrats because there's a superhero <laughs> called the Mauve Storm. And so I looked it up, and apparently it is pronounced mauve. I've always said mauve. Me too. So I'm with you, man. Uh, so thanks It's a regional thing. We should embrace our regional dialect. Yeah. So there. It's borderline racist to call me out on that. Right? Yeah. So don't do <laughs> no, said hey, the white male. <laughs> plenty of things we can make fun of the way they pronounce things. Yeah, you're right. So here. yeah, don't don't knock us for mispronouncing <laughs> yeah. mauve. Okay, so mauve. Yeah. There's some pretty mauve the, um, ones. Sparkly and some sparkly ones, gold and, and black. they come in uh, all horns, shapes, oh, yeah. and sizes. Look at this. Uh, I think you it's even, like some kind of cord that's inside a, yeah, a plastic. So ring. it is like a cool fabricy color. Yeah. Uh, but it's covered with a very soft plastic shell. Yeah. Which means, uh, and it's soft enough. It almost feels. I don't think it is silicone, but it feels soft and squishy like silicone. Which means it might hold up really well. It holds up really well. It's going to be water basically proof, and right. it, so unlike normal belt, normal belt mules that will soak up you know moisture. And you could get a lot ribbon. of them and have a ring toss. You yeah. Um, <laughs> You could, or you could buy <laughs> rings for a ring toss for probably much cheaper. Uh, um, probably a pro- lot cheaper. Actually, no, these are unbelievably reasonably priced. Um, they did work. I did a video test. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes on YouTube. I also did a little fashion show with them. Oh, nice. Um, and I, I Actually, make a cool bracelet, too, actually. Oh, look at that. Now you remind me of John Candy <laughs> in Plain Chase and Automobiles, where you start selling shower curtain rings as earrings to make money. <laughs> yeah. So, Will Peak, if you're listening, um, you can also these sell these great. the extra ones as bracelets. They're they're really good looking. They do stay put, uh, and they do work. Now, what's interesting is they come in for each uh, voice of the saxophone. They come in um, differing differing levels of darkening and pitch lowering. So they come in different thicknesses, oh, interesting, and slightly different diameters, and they're marked on the side. Because when I first got them, I didn't I didn't see the sizing chart, so I just saw these little symbols. Yeah, these little oh yeah and hieroglyphics. I, so I went on a on a rabbit hunt to try to figure out what these symbols meant, and I thought I had discovered a secret code. I had not. Uh, I just didn't see that there was well, a sizing chart in the box. I yeah, that's the decoder right yeah. there. So, so it that could have saved me a lot. Of time. I was three weeks later. And I had like the red, the red, you know, <laughs> yarn between the map points. I thought I discovered something cool. I had not. These are the sizing codes. So, um, wow. For me, so you I, can decide if you want it more for pitch or right. more for sound or a little of both. Yeah, and you can. And so if you try it, hmm. you, do, you want more darkening. You can order a couple, ship the ones you don't want back. All you do is pay shipping. And these are so lightweight. I have to imagine the if you just stick them in a, in a standard U.S. mail package, it would be like a buck to mail back. Got it. So if I were you guys, I would, uh, if you're interested in a, in a bell ring, highly recommend these. Once again, not paid. For, though he probably, probably sh- no, he shouldn't. I want to no. support him. Um, <laughs> I highly recommend these. Order a couple. I like the open, the one, and the two. Those worked about perfectly for my Yamaha yeah. Alto. Um, order a couple, see what you think. Ship them the ones you don't like back. Yeah. Uh, really nice guy. So these, cool. I think, are a better solution than, I was thinking about having an episode on how to make your own mute. Uh, now that I see the alto some one, some guys are. Why well, do it? Yeah, if somebody, the soprano was only twelve bucks. Alto is fifteen. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. Oh, yeah. Tenor is eighteen. Uh, so these uh, fifteen bucks for an alto one. I think that's very reasonable. That's really reasonable. And I spent I mean, about that much buying the um, the pipe cleaner the ribbon and all the stuff to make. Now, granted, yeah. you can make more than one mute with it when you buy that much. Well, yeah. But I don't. I'm not good at arts and crafts. 
Well, and there's your time. And the other thing I like is these don't slip. You put right. them down there and you can put them in the closed position. They're not going to move around because they're, yeah. they're just grippy enough. Yeah. So. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm pleased. And, you know, this thing's never going to wear out. I don't think so. So the only thing that could go wrong is you could lose it and have to buy another one. But other than that, yeah. or you'll run her to Sue Fancher and she'll make fun of you till you you cry. No, I'm it. gonna like try the Soprano one because you know, really, honest to God, it was ridiculous. I listened to a recording from our performance uh-huh. of the Bresnik, and it's fine. But I'm listening to that third move movement, and I'm I'm remembering how exhausted my amateur was by the time I got to that section. And how hard it was to play those low B flats. I think it's either a B or B flat or something like that. In tune, softly, and it's body, body, this thing, you know? And it was just louder than I wanted and a harder attack than I wanted. And I remember that I was just dying at that point in the performance. And geez, if I'd had one of these little thingies... It and might I've, sound better, and I, I might not have killed myself from so much. <laughs> two Facebook commenters on, so I, I posted the, the, a link to the video that I did on Facebook. Two um, YouTube commenters that play Sopranino in saxophone wow. ensembles. I'm sorry, they I'm ch- they chimed in and said <laughs> yeah. it's absolutely great for Sopranino. The oh, Sopranino it's one got to be because yeah. apparently I've never played a Sopranino because I, I have, but it's been a long time. I think the definition of a gentleman is one that can play the Sopranino but chooses not to. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's a, a nice corollary to the original, at least. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> plays the saxophone, which is right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I have friends that play it beautifully, um, yeah. but I've heard that of the acoustic problems this, on the Sopraninos, that's a nightmare to bring the low end. Into. Well, sure, I think with all the saxophones, don't you feel like the smaller the saxophone, just the more amplified the problems mm-hmm. are? You know, yeah, so it's like soprano but worse. Less, less bore, <laughs> more problems. Right. Yeah. Oh, there's our new T-shirt. Speaking yeah. of, before we yeah. get off industry news and products, and we move on to the in the studio where we're going to yes. talk about slap tongue. Oh boy. Um, we have an exciting announcement. Announcement. You can now purchase it to support the show, uh, Saxophone Academy Lifestyle Wear. So we've got <laughs> T-shirts Yay! in three colors in multiple sizes and styles. They got men's, women's, several different cuts of the women's tees. I didn't realize this. Oh, it's a thing. Uh, you can get a baby onesie. Aww. Yeah. Um, Aww, that is so cute. <laughs> I know. So um, if you would like to support the show, um, we I think we'll be profitable by around twenty forty five. Oh well. We, I, look, lose a little bit a month on server hosting each month, which I could I would do this every month for the rest of my We're life. Doing this, this for is, fun, this right? Is such a pleasure. <laughs> but if you would like to support the show, but more importantly, uh, look really cool while you're supporting right. the show. You can, I'll put a link in the show notes. You can buy the t-shirts. Nice. Uh, I got one coming in. So awesome. If, if you see me out and about. Wear yours and take a picture with me. There you go. Put it on social media. You'll be instantly cool. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to wear it every day. You can't wash it or change it. Ew. Just in case you run into me. But then don't put your arm around me. Well, it's so cool. Right. Everybody always needs a new t-shirt, I think right? So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I found it because I bought um, some t-shirts from my favorite comic book store. Uh, Acme Comics, and they got some really cool T-shirts, and so then I like the quality and the oh, company. Yeah, so that's I, the hardest thing is making sure you find a T-shirt mm, with good fabric and mm, nice fit. Not so too I heavy. checked out the quality of the T-shirts. So then I went with T Public, the company that makes this. The cool. profit margin is teeny tiny. We get very oh, yeah. little money, but I just think it's a cool product. I yeah. wanted to wear one. So, yeah. dear listener, if you'd like to support the show and look cool while you're doing it. Oh, and the other product that I, I went ahead and designed was the coffee mug. Coffee. So while you're while you're caffeinating, you can caffeinate. With yeah. excellence. Well, and Christmas is coming. It is. Oh, it'd be so, a great gift. Right? Yeah. To all your saxophone playing friends. I agree. So, yeah. I'm and, assuming people listening to this show are at least are friends with saxophone players. 
I would imagine. <laughs> we we kind of band together. We have to. Yeah. The redheaded stepchildren of the musical world. Exactly. You know, we got to stick together. Exactly. Um, in the studio. Yes. What did you want to talk about this week? Ooh, I guess we're going to talk about slap tongue. Oh, I should say, what did I want to talk about this yeah, week? It's a question yeah, we, Wally, yeah. I didn't have any ideas, so we're going with your idea. Yeah, That's yeah. a great idea because actually students ask about this mm, all the time. All the time. All it's, the time. How do I learn how to slap tongue? Yeah. So can we start with the caveats? Yes. Okay. Well, what if, are the caveats? For those of you that are fast forwarding, you don't need to. Uh, short answer, you're going to create a vacuum on the read and then pull your tongue away really fast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. If you already know how to do this, yeah, zip yeah. ahead. Z- zip ahead. Think about Or cats. listen to what we say. And if you've got some better suggestions or additional suggestions, bring them on because this oh, no, is something people... Oh, no, I was going to say people... stuff it. Start your own <laughs> podcast. Yeah, don't make us well, look we bad. We can do that too. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a little bit... So I, I get, got this question several times in the past yeah. month, which is why... Um, I'm sure you get this question. I assumed you get this question a lot too. And um, someone asked, will you, make, will you make a video on this? And I was thinking like, I could create an instructional video or I could make a funny video. I'm not sure I want to do both. Right. I'll, so it's on the back burner right now. So I figured yeah. let's talk about it on the podcast. We'll just start there. Yeah. Here's an issue I have. And I hope I don't shame anyone. There's a lot of colleges teaching yes. a lot of saxophone, a lot of college professors that are insanely yeah. good. And the level yeah. of standing among uh, standards among college saxophone is incredible. Yeah, and, and getting higher all the time. And, and these day and ages, you don't find bad college saxophone professors anymore because they're so hard to get these right. jobs and people are willing to move all across the country to the middle of nowhere to teach. They're highly qualified. Yeah, they're the great stan- teachers everywhere yeah, now. And the standard is going up and up and up. Yeah. And I think our repertoire in one facet has been going up and up and up and up in difficulty, complexity, and use of non-traditional techniques. We yes. used to call them extended techniques. Now yeah. there's a group of people saying they're they're not extended techniques. They're just the techniques. That's what we do with saxophones. Yeah. I, I kind of yeah. know what they're saying. I kind of disagree. Yeah. And here's why. I've had some students ask questions. I will not name the school. Um, where some s- people, by their junior year of undergrad, they're playing lauba etudes. Yeah. They're playing bulkum. They're playing these things where they have the slap tongue, circular breathe, multiphonic, double tongue, quarter tone, yeah. altissimo, magic. Yeah. And they can't play Schumann in tune. Yeah. And I think... There's so many fundamentals that you and I have spent a lifetime mastering, trying to master. Yeah. Um, good intonation, good tone, musical phrasing, interpretation, technique, yeah. articulation, all these things. I'm starting to think some of the stuff is being introduced too early. I think that's very, I think that's a really good observation. Do you feel the same? I do. I feel like um, we're forgetting that. <laughs> You know, being able to play with a good sound and proper articulation and in tune, and for God's sake, some musical line, why are we doing this after all, um, right. is getting lost sight of. And the, you know, the repertoire is pushing us. Either we're demanding it to push us or the repertoire is pushing us. I'm not sure. It's maybe sort of a vicious circle. Yeah. We want harder and harder music and, and we want competition level music. And so we have to find a way to separate the quote unquote men from the boys. And, and uh, holy cow, you know, we get all these pieces that are exactly all of those techniques you just mentioned, like sometimes on the same page. Yeah. And it makes no musical sense. And even if it Agreed. does make musical sense, it doesn't make musical sense to very many people. And it's not like I feel like we should only play super easy music that everybody wants to hear, but we should be able to do that. Right. And I, I don't know. I think we could go on for a long time about where the saxophone repertoire is going. And I, I'm, I'm concerned that it's becoming this kind of esoteric ivory tower thing. And I don't really have a problem with that in general. So, for example, with math, I'm okay with studying math and pursuing math 
that has absolutely zero application in the real world. Sure. I think it's just a beautiful thing. And so I think it's beautiful to pursue music that is intellectual and not necessarily emotional or can be emotional, but not something most people want to listen to. I think that's fine. What I worry about is that that's becoming so much of a focus that we we're creating this art form that really quote unquote close to nobody wants to hear. Yeah. And then, so why are we doing that? Well, yeah, and that's where a lot of these executives, and I feel that these young students, oh, I have to learn to slap tongue or I'm not going to be a good, and then I won't be able to get into my master's program if I can't play these kind of pieces. Well, there are, there are schools that if you can't slap tongue, they don't want you there. Right, and I, yeah. And I'm sort of like, well, okay, that's a little weird. Can't you just teach the slap tonguing <laughs> when you get there if it's that essential? And right. Yeah. Anyway, well, and the, I, and uh, the, there's a parallel. I'm torn because, you yeah. know, I really believe in art for art's sake, but on the other hand, I don't, I don't think we need, you know, thousands of saxophonists out there who can't play a beautiful line, but yeah. boy, they can play a loba etude like crazy. Yeah. In the jazz world, we see a parallel, not so much with the slap tongue. And I do oh, get this question from jazz players yeah. too. How do I slap tongue? Because if you've seen, there's a, a couple, and I'll put a link in the show notes. I will remember this time. Um, of, of a couple, there's a great video of Joshua Redman. Uh, uh-huh. Where he's like accompanying himself with slap tongue, and and of course now with uh, cool. what's his name, Derek Brown. Oh, Derek Brown, yeah. And I mean, what he does is amazing. It is. It is amazing, and I completely understand. And it's a cool thing that he's come up with. Kids wanting to do that. Yeah. At the same time, there's parallels in the jazz world where, like, I, I hear you. I know you want to learn to do it. I know it's fun, but also in the as far as the esoteric music, there's jazz players like, oh, I got to play out. I got to add more tritone subs and more. Oh yeah. You know, but okay. Johnny, you're not really even getting over the blues changes correctly. Right. You know, you, you can't take a convincing solo over you know rhythm changes. You know, you're, right. the bridge isn't there. You're not sure of the the harmonic structure of what's going on. Yeah. And so I think you know we got to enjoy the journey and and, and realize there's so much to be learned in the fundamentals. Well, and add that stuff, you know, when you hear it. Oh, that's a good point. You know, I mean, in your practice room, there is something to be said for pushing yourself out of what you naturally hear to hear a a broader spectrum of sounds or intervals and things like that. But, you know, if you're just like, okay, when I've got this chord, if I play this note, it's going to be this kind of crunchy thing. If you're just like doing it in a theoretical way, I think it's fine as an exercise, but when you're out on the bandstand, that that strikes me as as a little bit dishonest. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I we'll don't get know. into Instagram culture and the and the, uh, the advanced holiday. Yeah, but but nonetheless, as a, ca- so, as a caveat yes. to learning slap tongue. Yeah, don't don't mess with it too early. Make sure you can tongue properly. I've had a lot of young students who do a great slap tongue, like right <laughs> out of the you know starting gate. Yeah. And I always say to them, "Oh my God, don't forget how to do that." Yeah, but that's not the right way to tongue on the saxophone. Yeah. So they'll start out with the. Yeah. And you're like, oh my gosh, Let's bottle that. that's a great slap and tongue. And put it away. Yeah. yeah, don't forget how to do that. But, you know, make sure that you don't do these things with your students so soon that you screw up their embouchures and make it so they can't can't play and That normally. was my concern. I saw some yeah. young college students that were worrying about slap tongue when really they couldn't play, you know. Yeah. Or these young students that are, are trying highly chromatic out licks on the saxophone, but they're not even sure. They, they couldn't play a good melody diatonically over the changes. Right. And that's a problem. But if you yeah. were going to, when, say they are ready. So, so I'll say get, you are ready. You're I'll get off the soapbox now. Yeah, yeah, step, yeah, I know. Boy, step uh, way on down off the soapbox. We offended so many people and, you know, I, yeah. Well. <laughs> it's okay. I think it's good uh, to have a, a voice of dissent. 
I want to think about that whole subject a little bit more thoroughly and talk about that another day. Let's do it. Yeah. And no. uh, yeah, because I think there's just, it's just so complex. It is. But if you were going to teach it, and we yeah, do, how yeah. do you, how do you go about teaching it? Well, you know, the first thing I do is, is tell them that slap tongue is not something that I feel like I am awesome at. I can do a passable slap tongue and get through the stuff I have to do. Um, music that requires a really awesome slap tongue. I usually just don't play those pieces. Okay. Yeah. Or I substitute with a, you know, a short dry staccato or something like okay. that if I have to. But so I tell them the way I know how I would need to practice if I was going to really devote the time to get good at this. And I've gotten better over the years, yeah. but I tell them to start by doing that. You know, that thing you can just do just without a saxophone anywhere near you, just go, you know, you just do it yeah. with your tongue. You're just creating a suction cup. For those of you that can't see, Sue was actually hitting the side of no, her head. No, with a meat tenderizer. It looks very painful. She's you know bleeding. You clucking yeah, sound you make okay. when you're walking around and just go, or at least some of us do. I, 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 I don't. I don't, don't walk do around making clucking oh, sounds, Sue. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you know how to do it. Yes. <laughs> you know, and then you basically, yeah. the basic technique is is pretty pretty obvious that you're going to create a little suction cup with, a, mm -hmm. with your tongue on the reed. So, you know, make sure first you know how to go. Just, just walk without around a all day doing there that. There you go. Yeah. Do it when you're driving and nobody can judge you if yeah, you're yeah. in the car alone anyway. Yeah. And then um, you don't really need the whole saxophone and certainly don't use your very best reeds. You know, you can use just the mouthpiece and, and the neck if you want. Just you have to see if you can figure out how to replicate mm -hmm. that feeling and, and that sound on on the mouthpiece and the reed, because of course the reed's a little smaller than the roof of your mouth, right? Mm -hmm, hopefully, and all those <laughs> kinds of things. But I have to tell you, so once I was um, I was coaching a saxophone quartet at School of the Arts over in Winston Salem, mm -hmm. and there were two guys in the saxophone quartet who could just slap tongue like crazy. And the one guy, I asked him, I said, "Well, okay, so I would like to know what you guys did to get to be so good at this." And the one guy said, "Well, I just could do it." I said, okay, I don't want to hear any more from you. So that's <laughs> Go sit down, that's Johnny. <laughs> yeah, you go sit down. I said, that is awesome. Lucky you. And the other guy said, well, what did you do? Because I'm like, I'm sure that this can be learned. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you don't have to just be able to do it. And at least I want to be sure of that. But I started to have a little doubt after that guy. And then the other guy, um, I said, well, what did you do? He said, I couldn't do it at all. He said, it took so much work for me to be able to do this. And now he's awesome at it. Yeah. And he said he spent a lot of time watching TV. With just <laughs> oh, I see where you're <laughs> You see where I'm going with this? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, and he had his neck and his mouthpiece and, you know, with a reed on and yeah. just sat there in front of the TV for hours a day yeah. practicing this, trying yeah. to figure out how to go yeah. and pull that reed away from the mouthpiece with, you know, a little suction cup on somewhere near yeah. the tip of his tongue, on the top of his so, tongue. And he spent hours and hours just doing it. And he said over the course of a semester, he figured it out. His girlfriend left him, yeah. I'm not sure if he even had one. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Or yes, if yeah. he did, she's, yeah, she's like, oh, she's I'm out of here. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, anyway, so, you know, that's what he did. Yeah. That's what he did. So I am open to more suggestions yeah. than that. So the, the actual sound comes with this a violent of the breed pulling away from the mouthpiece and violently returning to the mouthpiece, correct? That's yes. the slap. That's is the reed slapping back, which means we have to pull the reed away from the mouthpiece. Right. Which, of course, we do with suction or creating a vacuum. Right. So uh, an, an analogy that's helped me is, um, especially if you're in high school, which you shouldn't be learning this technique yet, your friends, your percussion friends, you know, those people that hang out with musicians, they're called drummers, 
they have these practice pads, <laughs> these black practice pads. If you see yeah. those, they just fit yeah. on top of the snare drum. Yeah. They look like top hats that are squished. Well, if you put those on the, the dirty, filthy band room floor and you try <laughs> to pull it up from the middle, you can't. Right. Because it creates a, a vacuum. Yeah, the suction, edges. And you can't yeah. pull the floor out from underneath you yeah. unless you're a superhero. And that vacuum it creates that tension. We're doing the same thing with our tongue on the reed. We're pulling the middle of our tongue away, creating a vacuum because the rest of our tongue is sealing around the reed. Then we, because we're, our reed is not as strong as the band room floor, when we finally <laughs> pull it with enough strength, the reed comes with the tongue and then slaps back. Yeah. So I've actually, uh, I forgot... There's a saxophonist who had some pictures online that in my Googling early back when, when I could, I forget how to do it and I couldn't explain yeah. it, which why well, was that person that you were talking yeah. about? Um, not the one sitting on the couch losing his girlfriend. <laughs> I did, but for other reasons. Um, but um, someone I saw online wrote an article where the first step they do is actually just learn to hold a reed on your tongue, no mouthpiece, just using the oh, that's a great idea. Your tongue in a just way where the you can, suction of the yes, oh, just then, to hold just the just reed, just the reed, the reed, and then ah, start to pull the reed away and that's feel that a pressure. Great suggestion. I thought that was a very good. And then All right, so that's how you start. And then you start to add a, an articulative like voicing with like a. Then you start yeah. to open your oral cavity. You can you can grit, and you can do like that a, with just the reed and nothing else. Yeah. yeah. So then you can learn to get this with the progressive slap, and then it's a more advanced technique to then open up the oral cavity and get a pitched slap tongue, yeah. where you kind of create resonance with your oral chamber and kind of open everything. So and if then, you work first with just the reed and get pretty good at that, then you can put it on the the mouthpiece, the mouthpiece. and proceed like this guy did. Right. That would make yeah. It would probably be. I, oh, I like a lot yeah. of. Yeah. I not, love that yeah. idea, Wally, because it's hard. To do it at all, so it's kind of frustrating. Yeah. And so with just the read, I could imagine it's a little easier. You can so start you, to feel that. You build up that technique yeah. and then transfer it. Yeah. Mm. Bridge from success, Wally. Yeah, well, I have to break things down. I'm not a smart man. So I like simple <laughs> steps. Um, what's That's your favorite suggestion. piece, that ha- uh, classical piece that has... Oh, for God's sakes. Do I like any of that? While you're thinking, I will say in the jazz realm, I will put a link of that awesome clip of Joshua. There's a lot of jazz players. If you've not heard Derek Brown, the beatbox sax guy, yeah, that's pretty um, incredible. I will put a link in the show notes for, uh, in the jazz realm. What it's almost like jazz pop. It's great. Yeah, uh, I really like what he does a lot. It's really neat. What's the Barry Cockroft piece? Uh, uh, not slap me, but the one, the solo piece. Beat me. Is that what it's called? It's the bluesy one. He's got. <laughs> it's really a really a fun one and of course that one's got um most people have are using circular breathing in some of the sections of the piece i'm thinking of why it's um rock me rock me oh that's what it is yeah okay. rock me yeah oh, he's but, got one called yeah. beat me too i was playing at a country club yes that's um, right he does have that one too but rock me quartet. i had yeah and I was our tenor player um uh, was um australian it's only slightly germane to my interpretation yeah. of the story. Uh, and she and, and a couple of us were going to do little solo works in addition to the thing. And so she yeah. had programmed uh, Beat Me. Yeah. And so it was this very posh hotel. And the woman was like, oh, I'm looking at the program here. And uh, I see there's a solo piece here um, uh, called Beat Me. It's like, yeah, it's called Beat Me. It's by an Australian composer, Barry Corcorp. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and said, oh, I see. But is that like something like musicians say, like, give me the beat Will you beat me? And she's like, no, it means like, you know, like beat me, like hit me, like, you know. Oh, no. Like, oh, yeah, it's like beat me. And I was like, and, and you can see the woman like, oh, I don't think that's appropriate. <laughs> but bless her heart, she's trying to explain it. Maybe you could explain it as a musicians give each other the beat. Will you beat me as if, and I was like, no. Yeah. And, and uh, Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, my friend Camille was having none of that. Like, no, I mean, just should have just made up a yeah. different title. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I that, think he's the, got one called Slap Me that's a duo, but so Rock Me. 
is the one I was thinking of. And I've had some students play that who couldn't slap tongue great, but they could just do a dry staccato okay. instead. But that that sounds, I mean, it's much better with yeah. the slap tongue. And it does have some sections that uh, most people circular breathe and it calls for it in the score. But the truth is those sections, if you can't circular breathe, I mean, you can't do this if, if it's competition or if you're playing for you know, the saxophone intelligentsia. But if you're just playing somewhere where they don't yeah. know, there are really obvious places that you can grab a breath and it works just fine. Yeah. yeah. I, I kind of like that uh, in, the, in the classic, in, in Barry Cockcroft is classical world. Yeah. Uh, he has jazzy elements in his playing. Yeah, it's totally. very classical. I like it's all that written. If you're going to do the extended technique stuff, if you've gone down that dark, dark path, <laughs> he writes some fun music that you can play for general audiences. Yeah, um, that's what's really nice. fun about it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not ugly. Or you could just play jazz and have people like you. Okay, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so moving on. I kid. I, I kid. I've gone over to the uh, the not dark side. Or as my wife would say, hey, you play music I like listening to now. Yeah, right. No. Um, we've got um, <laughs> listener question. Yay. Um, two listener questions. One I'm going to summarize. One we're going to answer the one without a rant first. Oh. Uh, my rant, not the listener rant. Oh, okay. And I'm going to let you like, answer. <laughs> I'm going to let you answer it and I will just put a, a, a stinky topping on top of it. Um, okay. Because I'm, I'm... Anyway. Um, before we get to the listener questions, we're going to announce a new segment and I'm going to put this in the bumper in the intro too. A new segment we're going to start on the Saxophone Academy podcast, Saxophone Book Club. Ooh. And so we want to start delving in not just the nerdy saxophone stuff, but stuff that's going to make you better performers, better people, better musicians, yeah. things including uh, peak performance, um, yeah. getting over stage fright, all that. And so our book pick for next episode, yeah. if you want to read it beforehand so you can join us, yes. is what is it, Sue? The Inner Game of Tennis by W. Timothy Galway. Yeah, very famous book, G-A-W- Inner Game of Tennis. G-A-L-L-W-E. E-Y. I'll put a link to the Amazon version so we can read it in Kindle. I'm going to yeah. let Sue borrow my copy that I stole I... from a Atlanta, Georgia library a million oh, years nice. ago. Yeah. I forgot to, I moved and I forgot to bring back. I paid the oh. fee. Okay. Uh, I'm going to um, use the Kindle version because my eyes are terrible and I can make the print really big because yeah. I'm an old man. And the light. Uh, and so let's all read it together and we'll talk about it yeah. on the next episode. I'm excited. So the Saxophone Book Club. Yay. I'm actually really more excited than I should be. So, no comment. <laughs> question. I love this stuff. Well, this is cool. I love everything about it. Yeah. Okay, so this question is from Jaden Briscoe. Uh, Dr. Wallace, I've been struggling with embouchure and endurance. I practice most every day for an average of two to three hours. Go, Jaden. And I have to take Perfect. so many breaks during my practice session to the point where mm. I feel like I'm spending too much time not playing. I do the long term. I try to stay loose as long as my muscles allow it. I'm still struggling getting through a single movement of pieces. My tone suffers soon into my practice because of endurance. What advice do you have for strengthening the embouchure? He's currently a junior music education uh, major at West Texas A&M, uh, and he's worried about getting through a senior recital. Then he says many glowing positive things about you and the podcast. Hey. So I wow. did not delete this email. I saved this one because okay. flattery... Jaden will get you everywhere. It's a, it's always a good. Yeah, a good and he also Jaden also left us a review on iTunes. Oh, and thanks, I Jayden. appreciate that, Jaden. Seriously, yeah. good on you. Yeah, I appreciate that time. Um, here's a yeah. big chunk of karma. Woo! Here's another Coming one. Coming your way. More karma. They, <laughs> karma. Thank you very much. We do appreciate it. So, Sue, what do you think? Well, yeah, there's reason to be concerned about getting through a full recital. Now, he already, he already yeah. left us a review, so I don't think yeah. we have to answer this question. I think we, no. Okay. No. <laughs> Well, I've I've had students, of course, struggle with this, and I I think that the older you are and the farther along in your development, um, the harder it is to fix this problem. So that's that's kind of the bad news. The good news is I believe you can fix any problem if you just if you just focus on it. So 
Um, my guess without looking at your embouchure and what you're doing is that you're probably, you know, you say, you mentioned this in your note, even that you realize you should try to stay loose, but you're probably biting or pinching, or there's something quote unquote wrong with the shape of your embouchure. So what I would recommend is, um, a couple of things. One is that old, just playing on the mouthpiece trick and uh, it, I'm going to assume you're on alto saxophone, you know, see if you can get a concert A um, on your mouthpiece alone and then re-articulate it and make sure it doesn't change pitch when you re-articulate so that you're not moving your jaw around when you're tonguing, you're just moving your tongue and keep an A. So do that maybe periodically during your practice. The other thing that I found helpful is some air attacks because if you're, if you're biting or if your embouchure is kind of odd or not not positioned correctly it's hard to do good air attacks yeah so you could try try those things and see if that helps you but you know while you're practicing maybe um periodically go back and take um just take a break and and do those two things it's sort of a pain taking your mouthpiece on and off but but do that um at least once an hour and then the other thing is look in a mirror and see um see what's going on it's hard without without looking at you but in general, we want our amateur to look as much like we look without the saxophone in our mouth when we have the saxophone in our mouth. So just stand there, look at your, you know, how your chin is. And then, you know, then when you play, see if your chin can be as close to that when you're playing, you know, yeah. still with, with no bunching, no pinching in the corners. I mean, obviously it's going to be a little right. different with the saxophone in your mouth just than without it. Just Photoshop it in. Yeah, there yeah. you go. But do, you know, do f- make sure you have, I'm sure you have a, a place with a mirror. Check those things. And um, I hope that that'll help you out. And just, um, just don't give up on yourself though. I mean, it's going to be hard at your stage to make a change, but you, you certainly can. I've changed a lot of things at yeah. a, a late, you know, college certainly undergrad stage in my playing too you so certainly can yeah so but yeah any other advice wally yeah that's uh, a great question it is um i really like the suit's advice of mouthpiece pitch and i'm not a huge i don't spend a lot of time on that uh, unless there's a problem because if if you're not getting that a440 on the mouthpiece um, it's not saying you have to play everything at that, but in that, right. and like, there's some French players that play closer to a B, and there's sure. some, yeah, some yeah, other yeah. school players yeah. that play lower. Yeah. But that's a good ballpark starting point. Exactly. So if it's way higher or way lower, that would show there's probably something fundamentally wrong with the embouchure. Yeah. Um, I always go back to um, my mentor wrote a book called Saxophone Masterclasses. I think it's out of print. It's hard to find. I'm going to mm. see if he will just maybe let me republish or yeah. even if it, like I give 100% of the proceeds to the save the whales or whatever whatever or yeah. give it away um, so he has the best analogy I've seen for embouchure formation and it's all about what is the function of the different parts and he thinks and he breaks it down into three parts there's the top teeth the bottom lip and the sides and that's really all there is yeah. to the embouchure so think of it in terms of function and he basically boils it down to rest cushion seal yeah. So the top teeth's job is to rest. Yeah. Just rest the weight of your head, and that's the anchoring. That's pivot. That's point number one that keeps your sax from from moving. Yeah. Uh, the second is your neck strap, not your right hand. Right. Um. So that left thumb in the neck strap creates that one point, and then the teeth create the other one. Um. 
so the top teeth rest. That's stabilization, no pressure. It's right. just resting the weight of the head. The bottom lip, he uses the term cushion, which means you then cushion the reed. It presses up gently. You can do vibrato. It creates you know the, the correct pitch around that A440. Yeah. And then the job of the sides is to create a seal, an airtight seal. Right. So think of like Bruce Lee talks about being like water. It doesn't overreact or underreact. It reacts. Yeah. Throw a rock in water, it reacts just enough. Yeah. So it use just enough pressure pressing on the sides to create a seal. No more, no less. And I think if you think in terms of what each thing is doing function-wise, and if something feels tight, think about why. What is it doing? Am I biting? Am I compensating for yeah. a reed that's too stiff, a reed that's too soft? Um, yeah, well, reed strength, that could be a thing too. It could. Um, that's so controversial, you know, because yeah. I'm not going to go against anything your teachers told you yes, as far as that. Yes, and know? I did uh, reach out to see, and his, his teacher is James Barger. I, don't, I have not met uh, him personally. I've heard good yeah, things. Yeah. I uh, checked him out online, and yeah. I would say I absolutely listen to your teacher. Yeah. Um, um, hope to meet him soon. Seems yeah, like a super well, and run this stuff by him and yeah. see see what he thinks because I'm sure that this is something y'all been working on. Right. <laughs> I mean, this yeah. did not pop up yesterday. Gosh, yeah. I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, read strength is sort of a, a personal pet peeve for me these days because I feel like People have moved to really hard reeds, but mm-hmm. I like to play on a little bit softer reed, and I use my air more than than my embouchure strength. Right, you know. But again, I don't want to go step on a lot of toes. But <laughs> I think yeah. you should step. You on think toes. I should? Step I think you should toes. absolutely step on shows. Well, I tell students who come to study with me: listen, if you're not going to play on on, if you're not going to follow my recommendations, go study with somebody else. And it's not to be mean or nasty or anything no, like that. It's, it's just I can't I can't work with somebody yeah. if they won't try my way, and I don't know I how know. to teach somebody else's way. That's why I don't have any 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 patience for when someone says when I give free information that in in terms of this podcast, yeah. or a video, or an article, or a Facebook post, and it's my brand or our podcast, yeah, yeah. my brand, of, our opinions, of, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You, uh, and so, while well, so and so teaches this way, well, then go well, study fine. with so and so. Go pay eighty thousand dollars a year. Exactly. To, and like, and also, I teach beginners differently. Well, so and so doesn't teach that. Like, yes, it's okay. That person is world famous, which means they don't teach the same students I do. Right. Um. You right. know, a person that teaches at the hardest to get into school, which is actually related to our next question. Yeah. They don't get students on leaky vetoes that smell like Kool Aid. Right. They get the best in the world. They, they don't have how to, to be teach. great at teaching yeah. fundamentals. <laughs> exactly. They get players. You know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. Like if I want to deal with the problems, if I want to learn to lose, you know, yeah. a fifty pounds of excess body weight, I wouldn't talk to an Olympic coach. Right. <laughs> they haven't the foggiest right. idea how to deal with somebody so that's my as out of shape yeah. as we. Have. I know what you mean. Students are like, well, so and so says this. Well, then go study with so and so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So exactly. listen, yeah, talk, listen to your teacher absolutely, yeah. and then listen to Sue, and then yeah. if there's time left over, <laughs> listen to Wally. <laughs> Next question. Yeah. Uh, this is from Curtis, I believe. I don't have it in front of me, so I'm slightly paraphrasing. Uh, Curtis is planning on applying for uh, DMA and saxophone performance. DMA uh, he and saxophone re- performance. He really, really, really wants to go to a particular school. He did not name the school, but he said it's one of the hardest to get into the country. We yeah. can kind of infer what that might be. And he said they only take one doctoral student at a time. Well, that's good. That's Bravo I think for that school because there schools. are way too many doctoral programs out there. I'm sorry. And there are way yes. too many people in these doctoral programs. And if you look at how many jobs there are, do I sound bitter? If you yeah. look at how many college, full-time, tenure-track college well, teaching jobs there are in saxophone, oh my God. There's no other field I can think of that has so many highly trained competent, more than competent, yeah. expert people 
sitting around doing other things. So I'm not sure. First of all, I would advise anybody to get a doctorate in saxophone performance. Oh my God, are you kidding? But if you really have to do it, then you got to try for the... the, You you don't got to. You really, you got to, if you really got to do that, that's the only way you can see yourself fulfilling your dreams and life goals. Well then, you know, just, you're going to have to try to get into those programs. What's the question? How to get into those programs? If he doesn't get into that one top tier program, should he wait a year? Oh. Or then maybe think about going somewhere else or should he wait Hmm. and try to get back in? Well, there's more than one great doctoral program in the country. So you could try for, you know, the top three or four or five. If you don't get into those, I mean, somebody's going to come and shoot me. But if you, I don't see the point. I just clean the floors. Please don't come. Yeah, to, I mean, yeah. I just, th- that's my personal opinion. Again, if yeah. you don't like my opinion, then, you know, whatever. Do, L- do, listen, it, do whatever you want. <laughs> listen I to mean, a different podcast. Listen, yeah, yeah just, just do what you want. That's always, you know, I, have to, I think in life, you know, we all ask for people's opinions and we all should know by this point that they can be all over the map. And in the, yeah. in the final analysis, you have to decide for yourself and follow your own heart and dreams. You know, I have a doctorate. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. I'm telling you, don't go get a doctorate. But, you know, I have a doctorate. And uh, do I regret doing it? Depends which day you ask me. Some days, yeah, I do. Um, Some days, no, I'm glad I did. So, you know, that kind of depends. There's a lot of times I wish I had done something different with my life. Not in terms of playing. I mean, playing has brought me so much just joy and fulfillment in my life. And I would be doing that no matter what. I do have different playing opportunities because of the career path I chose than I would have otherwise to some extent, but to some extent not. I could have done these things and be a, you know, math professor or data analysis or person or data analyst or something like that. But anyway, my, if it were me and let's, let me think about this another way. If, If this person was my kid, um, I would tell them if they really wanted to get a DMA in in saxophone, try for the best school. I'm not sure that there is a best school. I would try for the top, you know, two, three, four best schools. And if they didn't get in, I mean, personally, I would encourage them, yeah, wait a year and try again. You could do that. Or do something else for your profession and just love playing the saxophone. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it were my kid, that's that's what my advice would be. So, yeah. well, this isn't my kid, but that's my advice anyway. Yeah. So there. I'm pretty sure this isn't my kid. Um, <laughs> well, your kids are I think much old enough. Well, it's, it's not, my kid's younger yeah. too, but I'm old enough to have a kid this yeah. age, I think. <laughs> I just think um, I'm at the point now where, because I'm, well, according, aside from you, I have a doctorate as well. Yeah. It was, comp- you and I are both players that kind of, for reasons, putting family first. Yeah left a certain track right? because we didn't want to move to the middle of nowhere for uh, these amazing jobs. Right. And there are younger, awesomer players that are willing oh, to move yeah. to the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Or my wife has certainly has written states off the map. She said, Wally, don't make me move to right. any of these states right. and you don't need to work a day in your life. I right. will support you and whatever. Right. Just don't make me move to, yeah. I won't insert the name that yeah. a friend of mine took a job in a place where she's yeah. like, no. Um, yeah. I don't think there's any reason to get it. And there are people super happy and having great lives in yeah, those yeah. places. But so that's fine. Curtis, but, but, I think I have the student's name correctly. I, I don't get a doctorate. That's my advice. I want to yeah. be that one person in the world that it discourages you from getting a doctorate. Yeah. Um, the job market is horrible. It's horrible. Um, there's, and it's getting worse by the time you listen to this. It's gotten worse. Yeah. Um, and the chances are, 
and you, unfortunately, you have what we call survivorship bias. Yeah. You you say, but I know these people that have gotten jobs. Yes. But you don't know the 200 for everyone that got the yeah, job. Yeah, I don't know the 200, but I know some incredible players who do not have jobs. Yeah. And, In, no f- and, and not just players. They have doctorates. They have teaching experience. Yeah. I mean, I don't know their teaching personally, but I mean, if this is the only thing you can imagine doing... I guess go for it, but just buyer beware. Yeah, but you can still do yeah. all these things without then contributing to the broken Ponzi you scheme. You can, it's true. Um, you can. I think it's highly unethical that a lot of schools have DMA programs, and I don't think they should. Yeah. Um, they have students out there that are teaching part time. The other thing you don't realize is that most saxophone teachers out there are teaching part time. Part time is not a good. Very time. little money. Yeah. It's not a living. There's no health insurance. It's yeah. stressful. It's awful. You have to volunteer a lot of hours. When you're an yeah. adjunct saxophone teacher, you have two choices. You can do a great job and volunteer the majority of your hours because you're only paid an hourly rate mm-hmm. for the hours you are in a room with the student. And doing the job is so much more than it that. It is so much more. It's so much more than that if you're really going to do a great yeah. job. And you, it, if, you, uh, if you just do what you're paid for, it's very unsatisfying. You're not going to do a great and it's, job. And it's not so for the students. Your, it's, well, well yeah. It's, but no, that's not your true. fault. It's that's, the school's fault it's the for school's paying fault. pennies on the yeah, dollar. exactly. And so, uh, dear yeah. Curtis, dear Curtis, don't buy into this system. It's broken. Yeah. It's wrong. It's unethical. And I'm tired of seeing professors having a student spend three years. They get an awful adjunct job. They're miserable. Yeah. And then they immediately take a new, fresh doctoral student. Yeah. That will then become an adjunct. It'd be miserable. And That's our two cents, man. You yeah. asked. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, if you have to try to be the one to get into that program, yeah, yeah it gives you something to practice for. As go a, for it. As a friend of mine says, you know, <laughs> grad school is cool and all, but man, 40 grand a year, that's a lot of money for saxophone lessons. Yeah. Um, so yeah. maybe just move to that place and see, can I pay you for lessons? If yeah. I had to do it over again, I would have just moved somewhere with a player that I really wanted to spend some time with. I got in a job at a nonprofit, learned some other skills like marketing, graphic design, mm-hmm. and fundraising that would be useful to my music career, and uh, then pay someone for lessons. Well, maybe it depends why you're doing the doctorate. So I'm assuming that you're doing the doctorate because you want to have a college, a full-time no college teaching job. I mean, if you're just doing it to be a better player, that's that's not a good reason to do it. That's a decent reason to do a master's degree, I guess. Yeah. You know, but... That's not a good reason to do a doctorate. That degree is more about um, scholarship and yeah. and gaining the teaching skills to be a great teacher yeah. and things like that. So anyway, that's our two cents. You yeah. asked. Yeah. <laughs> don't get a wow, doctorate, Wow, I don't want to be a downer here. Yeah. Eat your vegetables, don't get a doctorate. Yeah, I mean, yeah. God, there's so many, you know, really great jobs out there that you could you could get that would still give you time to, you know, play the saxophone and yeah. continue developing. The problem with this music thing is it's so exciting. It's such a drug. There oh, is nothing like just playing a good phrase and and ah, oh, it's just so exciting. I know. Yeah. But you can still do that while you're you you're can. helping orphans at a nonprofit. You can. <laughs> Probably yeah. for, for more money and less hours. Well, yeah, and like I think I've I've mentioned before I have some friends who are, you know, lawyers or or doctors, and they play music 
as quote unquote amateurs, which sounds lowly, but it's actually, think about the word, you know, people who really love the thing and do it for the love of it. And that is actually really why we do it too. I forgot the root word of amateur is uh, love. Yeah. 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 So they do it for the love of it. And boy, I tell you, these people are playing at a really high level. So it doesn't, Oh, I'm not doing it as a professional, so I'm not that good. It's, oh, that's ridiculous. There's that's ridiculous. lots of amateurs who play yeah, better yeah. than professionals. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll make your money posthumously anyway. Yeah, like, right. Like, exactly. like Charles Ives. Well, yeah. then, you know, you can have a whole debate about, well, okay, mostly I'm teaching to make money and I make money playing sometimes. So am I really anything more than an, an amateur player, but a professional teacher then? Oh. I mean, you know, now I've, now I've gotten into big trouble, but I'm, I'm fine welcome, with it. I love teaching. <laughs> I'm with you. Wally, you're pulling me down. I'm sorry. The- <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to shut up. I'm going to get in big trouble. Every like, year. I'm so su- you're doing that podcast now, with Wally. You've moved to the dark side. <laughs> every year. I'm surprised when they renew my contract. Oh. I really am because. Well, maybe they renew your contract because you're, you're speaking truth. <laughs> I have You're a very supportive entrep- boss that yeah. is more interested in students understanding the real world yeah. than just getting more students. Uh, and huge, Good. I'm not going to name that person, Good. No. but I do have huge respect <laughs> for my boss that um, yeah. I've had complaints leveled against me that I was overly negative um, about academia in grad school. And, and he said, well, he's not wrong. Right. And so huge props to my boss for yeah. that. Um, so Woo. there's your yeah. advice. Big show today, Sorry, Wally. Yeah. Wow. Uh, oh, my so gosh. Go you can start. tell that the school year is starting. We're I all know. like rearing up to go well, now. <laughs> so now, dear listener, I promise we won't bring up academia for another six months. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not true. We will. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, won't be able to help it. <laughs> um, if you'd like to support the broadcast, we have awesome T-shirts now. And read The Inner Game of Tennis. I'll put a link in the show notes and be ready for the book club. Yay. It'll be an interesting read. Awesome. All right. Great talking with you. Happy school every year. Happy school year. (laughs) Bye. Bye, everyone. (laughs)